Hello, and welcome to 1867 and All That, the interview episodes. This past season, we followed the, you know, the raucous and fractious debates in British North America that led to the creation of the Dominion of Canada. We, we traveled to Charlottetown and Quebec and then to London, to conference rooms and dining banquets. We, we, we drank champagne virtually alongside all of those who have been called the Fathers of Confederation. You may have noticed, though, that at all these conference, we ba- conferences, we basically only talked about the opinions of men, of the, the fathers, and that they're male critics of confederation. Well, I mean, this isn't entirely surprising in a country, just like about every country on the planet at, at, at the time, that restricted political participation and leadership to men. It certainly is striking in hindsight. And today, at least in part, we're going to rectify this distortion, for there was at one key juncture, a young female observer of the Confederation process, Miss Mercy Ann Coles. She traveled in the autumn of 1864 to Quebec City alongside her family and especially her father, the Prince Edward Island reformer George Coles. You might remember George Coles as the major reformer in PEI responsible for the winning of responsible government in that colony. Well, in October 1864, he went to Quebec to be wooed by the Canadians, but he, like a number of other maritime delegates, took his daughter along. Why did he do so? Well, we're going to get to that today. We're talking about Mercy and Coles because she kept a diary of her trip, and it offers us one of the only female perspectives on what happened at the conference. Today, to talk us through the diary and what it can tell us, we have the writer Anne MacDonald, and McDonald's is a novelist and a playwright and also uh, now an, an editor of historical documents, I guess. In 2017, she published Miss Confederation, the Diary of Mercy Ann Coles. The book republishes Coles' diary as well as excerpts from other diaries of the time and offers us a rare glimpse into the world of one of those young women who attended the Quebec conference and a chance to see how all these events looked uh, in her eyes. So Ann McDonald, welcome to 1867 and all that. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Uh, I've, I've known about the diary of, of Mercy Ann Coles for a while, uh, uh, and I, I reviewed it recently and, and looked at it. And of, course I, of course, I looked at your book. I'm interested, though, because you're obviously, you know, you're a writer, a novelist, a playwright. I wonder if you could start by telling us what drew you towards Mercy uh, Coles' diary. Why did you want to move from um, fiction into history? Mm. Well, that's a good question. So um, a long, long time ago, I was teaching English as a second language in Toronto. And it was hot, like it was August and it was hot. And I watched a video, or we all watched a video because we, you know, we didn't want to do anything. So the students and I watched a video of um, Canada 125, I think. And it had the PEI delegate um uh William Pope rowing himself out to the to the Queen the steamship Queen Victoria and the first circus in town was there as you as your listeners know and um it was a story I had never heard like that that they and my dad is from PEI and we spent the summers all like every second summer going to PEI and and I'm, I'm like, I'm 62, so I'm not that young. So why didn't I hear that? Why didn't I know of it? So that started um, me looking into things of 
of that nature. So, like you said, I used that, well, and I, yeah, I researched it and I looked at the things and I started writing the novel and, and you, I used Because you, you also, you wrote a kind of um, historical fiction, is, is that right? Yes. And, 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 and this included uh, Mercy in some way. Yes, yes, yes. Because uh, in that research, I heard an idea, I think ideas program, and Christopher Moore was on it, and he told about Mercy Cole's diary. So, and, and it was at the Library and Archives Canada, and you could order a copy of it. So I did. And um, it's it's transcribed by her aunt, but it's still handwritten and really hard to read. And her actual diary is even harder to read. Um, so I use that diary loosely because she's a character and Johnny McDonald is a character in that novel. Um, yeah. The only thing I would say there, if I could interrupt, is, of course, you reproduce in the book a, 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 an extract from her diary. Um and I was reading it and I was thinking, first of all, you were right. There were some words I couldn't catch. But then I, I, I was thinking you ought to try and read Mackenzie King's diary, handwritten diary. And then <laughs> I'll really show you something that's hard to read. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's way harder. Mackenzie King's handwriting was, was, was just atrocious. Anyway, I, but, I, but I, I, so I was sympathizing also with your, uh, with your account of trying to read handwriting. And I do wonder what's going to happen as uh, school children now aren't learning cursive script how they're going to read historical documents. So anyway, it's, 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 a, it's, a, uh -huh. it's a conundrum. Yeah, yeah. I know the Library and Archives Canada had a, uh, a thing to transcribe, like volunteers to transcribe Lady McDonald's diary. And <laughs> who volunteered? I don't know. And like that it wasn't transcribed before and that, you know, and like you say, with kids not learning cursive writing. Yeah. Mm. I, I, anyway, so I, I interrupted you. You were talking about how you 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 were including Mercy and and John A as, as characters in your in your novel. Yeah. So then I um I after the novel was published, I began to trans, trans sorry transcribe the diary word for word. And. You know, I hadn't done that for the novel. I only used it loosely, and I used the timeline and and that. So, and like transcribing it word for word, it was interesting. And um, I wondered then, after I did it for a few days, that if it would make a good book, like that nobody had transcribed it before, and it's her voice and a woman's voice. Yeah, so that's that's, that's how the diary came or the book came to be. Yeah, and I, I think we all have to thank you for that. It's a great resource to have what you've done, and you've, of course, you've done more than just um, transcribe the diary. You've you've talked, you've tried to really put it in context. Uh, uh, before we get really get going, I wonder if you could tell the listeners a little bit about who Mercy Coles was, where she came from, and even more than I've done, why she was at Quebec in you know eighteen sixty four. Okay, yes. Um, she's 26 and unmarried. Um, and uh, the daughter of George Coles, a PEI delegate to um, delegate a Prince of Rhode Island to the Confederation talks. 
And you're right, he did uh, get responsible government. As an aside, <laughs> he, um, she travels back to the States with her parents, and uh, they say in that that he got his ideas for responsible government there in in the States. Um, in Ohio, I think it was Ohio and Pennsylvania. Anyway, she, yes, 26, and I'm married, which is not that old to be unmarried, but uh, they had... Um, their first kids were nine girls and two older, she was the third one. The two older were already married. Uh, the two younger, one was about to be married and one was married already. So, and there were no suitors that she writes of. So, you know, that's that's getting old to be not married then, and he, probably a woman would want to be married because she'd be the, um, she'd have her own household, basically, not, not living at home and not being, you know, told what to do by other people. Um, by her father. Yes. <laughs> yes. And mother, I guess. Yes. Yes. So... That's, I think that's why she went along to Quebec. And she was probably at the, like at the things in Charlottetown, the dinners and balls and banquets when it was so beautiful because um, they talk of the, you know, the men talk of the women coming to those balls and banquets. And I imagine then Mercy Coles would have gone and um, George Brown characterized them as uh, sharpest needles. So the Cole's women, the daughters, were probably educated um, at home, and they um, had the like had all the benefits of um, George Cole's uh, people visiting and the politics. I would imagine so. She she probably went to all those balls and banquets too, and then when they went to Quebec, and she writes also that she went to the tour of um, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, right after, right after the time in Charlottetown. So, yes, I imagine. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's funny. I think I I can't remember if in in the in the episodes this year I covered that because it's true they go off to. They go off across to, to Nova Scotia, and they well, some of them go by ship straight to Halifax, and others go on this this, this long uh, railroad trek, and, and she goes on that, doesn't she? Uh, the railroad, yeah, to Quebec, yes. Sorry, yeah, well, no, sorry, on to um, you know, they go over to the, the mainland Nova Scotia, and then down, and and I think George Brown and others go, and they do a they do tour of the, of the coal mines in Pictou, and they they really have a a, a rapid. Uh, um, and a kind of amazing tour, given that they've just spent like the day before in consultation, they stay up almost all night drinking and then they get on the ship and they head across. And, you know, I, I think that what I remember is Johnny McDonald thinks I'm, 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 I'm going to be smart here. And he sleeps on the ship and goes straight to Halifax. But some of them get off in, in, in you know, in Shediac and go on the train to, um, uh, to, to Picto and, and, and tour the coal mines. Yeah. Yeah. She does. that. Yes. You're right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, she, she writes of that in her, um, 
in the extracts of a diary in 1917, I think. Right. Now, and, one of the one of the funny things is she she gets to Quebec, and of course, like everyone else, she talks about the the rain. <laughs> it's Quebec in, in October, and I guess it was a rainy rainy autumn. But then she, it's interesting because she actually misses out a lot initially, doesn't she? Because she gets what you know, she gets diphtheria, which is you know, there's obviously a very dangerous disease that we hardly ever even think about now. Um, mm-hmm. And I wonder, well, maybe you could tell us a little bit what what happens to her. And I, but as I was reading your account of it, it seemed to me that there was there was almost something by missing out, we almost learn a whole lot more about her position and women's position um, by, you know, who comes to call on her. Yes, yes, yes. She gets a lot more attention and a lot of the men come to visit her, a lot of the women too, because they didn't know how diphtheria was spread. It's it's contagious. So um, they shouldn't have (laughs) visited her. Um, Yes. So, and we, yeah, so we learn about the, um, the, like that women are forced basically to listen to other people, and that, um, and that she wants the attention of those men, like um, Hewitt Bernard, the secretary of the conference, comes to visit her. Charles Drinkwater comes to visit her every day. And Leonard Tilly, the premier of New Brunswick, comes to visit her. And she, you can tell by what she writes that she likes the attention that she's given by them. And Johnny McDonald, um, you know, she says he came to dinner and she's so sorry she missed it. And he's so sorry that she's ill, he says to her mother. And so yes you you learn that she's um interested in the men and interested i would guess by reading between the lines that well that she wants to be married and that she likes those men and she wants to be wooed and she's like away sick, so she's missing the sights, missing the events, but she gets those visits. So, so who's to know what she, um, if that was better or not? And she yeah. gets visits from the women too, who like, like the first ball that she can't go to, um, I mean, if he had only the the um, official documents or the men's views, you would think, oh, you know, that was a ball, basically. <laughs> it was good. And when she writes, she says, oh, these two women say it was a failure <laughs> because the men didn't introduce or the, yeah, they didn't introduce the delegates to the women. There was no dancing. So, so you wouldn't know that unless you read her diary. And Theo uh, Monk says, um, who's another person, so we'll talk about her in a minute. But um, her cousin went, and he said 
He never saw such drunkenness. And there were broken bottles on the floor and meat on the floor. And you wouldn't know that if you read the official documents or the men's impressions. Well, I was thinking you were saying the men's impressions, but I wonder if also like it was very the kind of it was the public face impression, right? We had the grand ball. It was wonderful. It was, you know, it's this very much of putting on a good public show and it might be his perspective, but you have a feeling that these, that mercy, you know, and then, and then this other woman who's writing they're you know, they're writing for other, for that themselves or for other people, but a small and narrow audience. And they're just being a bit more honest. Um, but I suppose they're also focusing on other things too. The, 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 the social stations of the people involved are always very obvious, aren't they? Like the attention to the particular details of needing to be introduced, who you walk into the room with, who one socializes with, who one dances with. It's, it's a world that, that um, where everyone has a place. And yet these people from different social positions are being forced into this room together um, from different parts of the, of the colonies, but from different social classes that's also pretty obvious in her, in, in her, in her, evident in her, in her diary, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. But you can tell, yeah, that, that different people, her father was only um, um, a distiller, so uh, Mercy's father. So then um, she's of a lower class than, say, the uh, William Pope, who was the, and, um, uh, who was like more upper class than her and his daughter who went there is more upper class and eight years younger. <laughs> but yeah, you can, you can tell for sure. Who's it, it, it reminded me of the, you know, there's it was a, a line, uh, you know, you know, in, in, in England, when you go on, on the tube, there's, there's a, if there's a, there's a, uh, uh, they say as you're stepping onto the train to mind the gap, but this is kind of, you know, everyone who rides the subway or the tube in London knows to mind the gap. Yes. And I've heard people talk about this at social situations in, in, in England, which is still much more class conscious than I would say Canada is people. So, someone, you know, says can someone, oh, to say to someone else, Oh, mind the gap. And it's, it's just pointing out that there's this social situation where the, you know, like at Quebec conferences, all these, middle-class bourgeois upper middle-class people of different rank and then and then and then they're associating with the you know lord monk and of course his 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 sister-in-law um uh, francis monk who's there the and and uh, as you just talked about her being feo monk or feo monk um and she's really quite different than mercy isn't she in, in her the bits, bits you quote from her are great they're they're frank they're gossipy they're i mean well they're a bit snobbish let's be honest Yes. What, what do you make of Fio and, and why did you include her diary entries in the book as well? Um, well, because she's a woman too and notices those things that men don't, like the social situations and the, and the connections between people. But she is... Um, well, she's a much higher social class than Mercy Coles, although she's only 29, so 29 and 26. Um, but you can tell also that, um, you know, she got married, I think, uh, also at 26 and had a child that died in infancy and then had another child. And she left him at home <laughs> because... 
I guess that's what you do. And she went with her, or she trapped, like chased after her husband to come to Canada, basically. And, you know, left her child, her newborn child, at home for a year. And it's not, it's not, the, it's, it's not the typical approach today. No, no, not at all. No, no. And, um, yeah, and so the little bits that she was at the conference, because she was also away, and um, so she didn't keep a diary of all the times. Um, sorry, she did keep a diary all the times, but she wasn't at the conference. She was in Niagara Falls and, you know, away. Um, but she does add things as I said, from a woman's point of view. And and that's interesting, too. Like, the connections that they make are different than, than what the men do. And also, because the men are writing from... They have uh, political ad- objectives, right? So that in, And the women really don't. Um, so that the men want it to be, like you said, a, um, a, the public face, the good show, and the women are just writing about what actually happened. So Mercy and Theo are just writing the things that actually happened. Mm. Well, they have different priorities. They're not caught, and the men are caught up in the the... The, the glory of nation building as they see it or don't see it. And, and, you know, I mean, Mercy Coles is there. I mean, um, obviously it, it's quite, it's a trip. It's a holiday. It's, she's there to get a suitor and to, to really, to, to, it's almost like, it's almost like a, like, 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 like a debutante at a, you know, debutante's ball in some ways. That's what these events are, aren't they? I, I mean, I was struck, I think like you were about, about, and almost a bit depressed by how, how passive she's forced to be. You know, you read a lot into these diary entries, and I think you're—I think you're right about her attention. That she's, you know, she's noting when men give her attention, um, but it's also—it's also a little saddening that 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 that's her space. Like she has a she has a limited space, and she's sort of there to be seen and to be given attention or not. Um, so I, I suppose as I was reading it, I, w- I was also a bit saddened by the the entries as well. It's sort of a um, we we obviously today would wouldn't um, accept that kind of passive passive role f- for women. Not that one couldn't choose to be like that, but but um, it seemed to me that was the station that she was in and expected to be in. Yes, yes, yes. Her diary is like, well, like I say, a hotbed of commentary. But still, still. It doesn't tell what you really want to know. Like you want her to speak more frankly. And she's more, like you said, she's more passive than women are forced to be more passive. Like when she goes to the stage, her uncle wants her to stay overnight, stay, go for a walk, stay the winter. And her parents say no to all those things. And why? 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 And she doesn't tell us why she listens to them or 
or what she wants even. Like, does she want to go for a walk? Does she want to um, stay overnight? And by writing of it, you would think, yeah, she does, but you don't know for sure. And yes, and you want her to say if she did like Johnny McDonald or not. And was he like courting her for political expediency because PEI, like he said, keeps saying no to the resolutions. And that's when Johnny McDonald is always there and he's with her father and he's with her. So, you, yes. And he was a widower and only 49. So, I mean, 26 and 49 is not that far apart in at that time. And yes, yes. And you're you're right. So when you're reading the diaries, I mean, you're you're trying to read into them, but you're right. There are these there are these. It's a kind of frustration that also she, even in this private document that seems to be written just for herself, although she later then you know keeps it and and and, and shares it. But initially, it's written in that way. But she's not even to herself letting herself know on the page or in writing how she feels about write your essay as, as any of these suitors. I mean, my, that, that's a bit, that's, it's just striking. I mean, obviously my own interpretation, I think you're going along with this with Johnny McDonald is it's probably not a coincidence that he's, he's giving her a lot of attention at, at the point in the conference when the PEI delegates look like they're, they're not on side and they're upset. And so, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt. You're right. He, he, he was at that point, a, a widower and, and he does get married, um, you know, the, 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 two years later, you know, a year and a half later. So it, he's definitely on the lookout for um, another wife, but it, 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 the, the political element strikes me as really clear there, but we don't, we don't really quite know what Mercy feels about all that. No, no. And I, I wish we did for sure. Yeah. And even like Leonard Tilly, she writes of him and what he d- does and what he doesn't do and who he pays attention to. And it looks like to her, but then he stops paying attention to her and pays it to Mrs. Alexander, who is a, also a widower, and but she's 40. And she's also from PEI. And is that, you know, is that because he wants to? And he's 46 and also a widower, so, and he has young children at home, so, does he? You want more. I mean, Leonard Tilly, I, I, think, I think you're intrigued by Leonard Tilly, and I confess, I am very intrigued by Leonard Tilly. I think he's a fascinating guy. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, and, I'm, and nobody has written really about him at all. So, yeah, he's, he's really fascinating, like his... In the Dictionary of Canadian Biography, he's, they say he's known as a colorless druggist, a temperance person. But yeah, he was the premier of New Brunswick. He was also, he was a ladies' man, it seems, from Mercy's point of view and Mrs. Alexander's point of view. But you don't know any of that from the, from like I say, official documents, unless you read Mercy Coles. But it's it's sad, too, that she's the only one that kept diaries of that time. Yeah. 
yeah, you want more private documents, that's for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You have George Brown's letters to his wife, Anne, and they were discovered in the 1950s, but still, he's a man bred into his wife, so his take on things is maybe different than than a woman's. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and there's, like it, like I said, there's only Fio Monk and um, Mercy Coles who kept, who kept diaries and nobody else wrote about it, wrote about the Confederation conferences that we know of. Margaret Gray might have, but she, um, and she did keep diaries, but that one hasn't been found. But, and also the diaries that she wrote before are um, are pretty uh, circumscribed. They're not Mercy's, <laughs> like I said, a hotbed, a commentary compared yeah. to, to Margaret Gray's. I, I personally, as a historian, don't see any use in in, in, in a diary just that just says I, I I went here today and I, I did that. I, I want I want the juicy details as a as as a gossipy historian, but also as someone who just wants to get these people to come to life. There's nothing nothing better than a great series of letters back and forth. I, I uh, uh, in, in writing another book, uh, uh, I went through these two biographers of Mackenzie King, and they they were writing back and forth to each other because one lived in, in Canada, one was in, in, in England and they, they had, they, they, they got into fights with them between themselves, with their publishers. The one guy was a, a, a kind of a Lotharia was always had girls over. And that was, that was, that was there. They were, they were the best letters uh, to, to read. They were fa fantastic and fascinating. Wow. Uh, anyway, that, that's not, that's not about confederation. That, 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 that was in the 19, 1940s and fifties, not, uh, not the 1860s. Um, you just said a second ago that, you know, you know, as you said, she doesn't just go to Quebec. She goes on to Montreal when all the delegates go, and then through Upper Canada to to Toronto. She goes to Niagara Falls, the 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 the, the second greatest disappointment, as they always say. Um, <laughs> and then she goes into the United States. Why why did you um, why did you include these later portions of the diary, and what do you think we we learn from them? Hmm. I well, they were still the. It was still Confederation. It was still the tour of the Canadas to pr promote Confederation. So, and you could see what, what she said. You could see what was important in Canada at the time. I mean, it's uh, important, you know, not to the indigenous people, but to the um, people showing the public face of Canada, basically. So in Montreal, right there, they go to um, the Victoria Bridge and you think, so what? They went to the Victoria Bridge. But yeah, I, it made me research everything. Like when she, when she wrote, you had to research everything. Or I did anyway. Like, like the Victoria Bridge, who cares? But it was only made in um, 1859. It was known as, as one of the eighth wonders of the world. Um, the Prince of Wales uh, um, inaugurated it. Um, who knew? Who knew? Who knew? And the, like the, like 
the in Montreal, everything stopped and when the ice bridge of the St. Lawrence River wasn't working or the in the summer when the boats could go across and like have connecting the Montreal to um to other parts of Canada and the States by the Victoria Bridge was big. Like there's even a stained glass window of it in in um Westminster Abbey in this in England. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. With with a bridge that um, crossed the Nile. So, you know, and it, it was the longest water cross, the longest bridge. Who knew? <laughs> Unless you looked it up. And they take them on it on the Victoria Bridge to show them the, you know, it it was so wonderful, and and she says. Um, Mercy says, uh, not in that, well, the excerpt from the Guardian, that um, in the Guardian, the excerpt from the diary, supposedly, but it's got some extra things in it and omits other things, like the weather. Um, she says, uh, Darcy McGee, we chided Darcy McGee about the muddiness of his riding in Montreal. Who knew also that it was so muddy, riding was so muddy. And, um, it, 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 it was a working class district with lots of Irish Catholics, and it was a real rough uh, uh, seaside—not seaside, but you know, you know what I mean. Like the, 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 you know, the, the men who load the boats and that kind of thing. He, that's the kind of riding he was in. Yeah, in Griffintown. That was that was great that you got that in in, in the book. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 so interesting. And um, in Toronto, right? That well, before Toronto, that she says Donny rode up in the carriage with us. And there weren't that, I don't think, many people in the carriages. So that John A. and she, that she refers to him as John A. rode up in the carriage with us um, from Coburg to Toronto, I think. Uh, um, you know, you learn what he was doing. And, and she also says in Ottawa that he was supposed to give a speech but had a palpitation of the heart or was tight. So, <laughs> or, or, or was tight. Either either it's a health problem, or or he's just too drunk or hungover. Yeah, yeah, and 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 also that he gave no speeches in Toronto. So you learn a lot of things by including those that time um, after the Quebec conference. Yeah, 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 yeah. What um. I just really got one one final question. Wondering what you can tell us about Mercy and Coles after this time. Obviously, we have this diary, but her, this is she's still a young woman. What what happens after the fateful trip? Uh, does does uh, what what what's what's her life like? And what how do we know about what her life is like in the years afterwards? Um, we don't know a lot. So she has a a couple more travel diaries in, but she's forty, and um. And they're short and also hard to read. Um, and she, um, her father, sadly, goes mad. And he might have had syphilis. So by 1868, I think he goes mad and then dies a couple of years later. Her mother lives on. So she lives and she doesn't ever marry. <laughs> Sad to say, and she dies at eighty-one, I think, and 
her obituaries in the newspaper in Charlottetown. So, and, yeah, all, all, all of those suitors, and it it it, it didn't uh, it didn't happen. No, no, but but uh, her father turned against Confederation, hmm. and all of the suitors. Um, Leonard Tilly was pro-Confederation for sure. Johnny McDonald obviously was pro-Confederation. Hewitt Bernard was the secretary to McDonald, and he ended. McDonald ended up marrying Hewitt Bernard's sister, um, Agnes. Uh, Charles Drinkwater was probably young for her, like only twenty-one. Yeah, it's it's sad, sad that they she didn't get married, and she was supposed to be like intellectually smart and pretty. Um, we have a picture from twenty when she was twenty six at the um, William Notman took the photograph, and um, you know she still looks sick, but she's still she looks oh. Uh, beautiful enough, and um, one of the people said he hoped she brought her ir irresistible blue silk. So, I think she was good-looking, she was intelligent, um, and only one of the sister didn't get married out of those nine sisters. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sad. <laughs> Said that she didn't get married, and yeah, yeah we don't know. And we, we we just don't know a lot about her life after that fact. No, no, yeah. no. And she, but she says McDonald had always proved a very kind friend to her, and Agnes and John A went to PEI a few times. So it, yeah. it's possible that it, it's possible that, that 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 they saw her at those points as well to look up with previous people you know. Yes, although John A. McDonald wrote and said to William Pope, like, say hi to everybody in PEI, you know, excluding George Coles and, and somebody else. <laughs> although that's not, that, that's not a very John A. thing to do in the sense that he's, he's such a man to, to not burn a bridge when he's, after he's crossed it. So you'd, you'd have to imagine that he, 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 he might walk that back and, and, uh, and be open to, 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 to mending fences. He, he, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not in his character to, to do that for the most, for the most part. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's true. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, and McDonald, I want to thank you for, for coming on the show and talk to us about your, um, great and fascinating book. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a, a treasure. I think it, I think you're right that it adds a, just a lot to um, our take on, you know, these years, uh, these these years in the 1860s. And it's uh, the, all, all the little details. The photographs are fantastic as well. It's also something which, which is a real nice treat in the book. Um, okay, so thanks for listening to this, uh, our, our, our most recent installment of our interview series. Um, stay tuned to your podcast feed for future interviews. Uh, we'll be back with more up-to-date news on politics from more than 150 years ago. Uh, and remember, there's a lot of all that to 1867 and all that.